The following is an encore presentation of Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Vicki returns to broadcast live in studio starting in November. Enjoy today's program. Welcome to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Talk radio to inspire, inform, and stimulate. Bringing you enlightened discussions with authors, creatives, innovative business and health professionals, and ordinary people living extraordinary lives, sharing their expertise and life stories, making a difference one word at a time. Now, here's your host, Vicki St. Clair. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Today, we're exploring our subconscious power and how to use your inner mind to create the life you've always wanted with Kimberly Friedmutter. Uh, more on that in just a moment. We'll also talk with Victoria Dahl, or Victoria Helen Stone, as she is now known. After writing more than 25 romance novels, she adopted a pseudonym and has subsequently written several hit thrillers. She uh, has turned to the darker side of fiction, so we'll find out why, what happened, what prompted that, and what the differences are. And we'll find out that in the second half of today's show. But first, I want to welcome Kimberly Friedmutter to the show. She's commonly known as the mystic in cowboy boots. She's a board-certified master hypnotist and NLP trainer. And she's appeared on Entertainment Tonight, The Doctors, CNN, and more. She's the author of Use uh, Subconscious Power, Use Your Inner Mind to Create the Life You've Always Wanted. Kimberly Friedmatter, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Um, and so I was reading that book title from the book, and it's all kind of interwoven there. But the book, uh, the primary title here is Subconscious Power. And a um, lot of great information in here. But first, I want to ask uh, how did you get that handle, Mystic, the Mystic in Cowboy Boots? Well, you know, thank you for asking. It was kind of a combination of the things that were happening when people were feeling better after they had been hypnotized. I don't know if you've been hypnotized before. Certainly you have on some level if you've read the book because you can't <laughs> help it. <laughs> but just the beginning and the promise of delivery is, is literally literally like you suggested in the title. And uh, that, that was a very clever uh, cover design by Simon & Schuster, and so I thank them for that. Uh, talk about a lot of really smart women working over there. And the whole idea is that we are constantly in trance. We don't necessarily realize it because it's trance. And so being 100% natural, 100% organic, 100% sustainable, it's a natural state our mind goes into so that we can rest, so that we can take in information, so that we can learn, so that we can resolve. And so when people think, oh, you know, can I be hypnotized? Can I be put into trance? The answer is yes. So if you've ever stared at a fire pit and watched the dancing right. flames, if you've ever, you know, opened up the refrigerator and looking at the food and deciding, <laughs> you know, what you want to eat, you're in trance, right? Or if right. you've ever been to a concert listening to your favorite artist or, you know, listening to the radio and not remembering the last five miles that you drove, that's trance. And right. so that's the state of your greatness. And it's so easy and so organic. And so how is it different to flow? It doesn't sound very different to flow to me, but is it different? It's not. Yeah, it's not much different from flow. And that's a great observation, by the way, because what we do is we say if you're zoning out, that's where your greatness is, as opposed to something like meditation, which is also very, very nice. 
that's a zoning in mechanism where you're focusing on your breath. You're focusing on keeping your thoughts at bay, whereas flow and zoning out are, are basically compatible protocols. So the idea would be that feeling right before you wake up in the morning, you're not fully conscious. You know how that dreamy, floaty mm-hmm. feeling feels? That's that. Same thing when you're going to bed and you're not quite asleep and you're just in this in this space where your conscious, critical thought processes are set aside. Because that's the part of us that's our task maker and also the part of us that trips us up. Right. And so if you can set that aside, then you're listening to your impulses, your gut, your instincts. Now, how is, I've heard psychologists refer to subconscious as unconscious. It seems there's yes. no difference there either. It's just a, a personal preference. You talk about that in the book, too. Yes. And so the terms are interchangeable. And the only reason that I don't like the term unconscious to use uh, for, my, for my practice is just because I feel like it's it feels thoughtless, right. more like comatose state, yeah, yeah. more like a, a negative thing. You know, they were found on the street unconscious, you know. Right, right. <laughs> it just doesn't, you know, sub, it means just below the surface. And that's what we're talking about. And one of the other things that you, uh, when you're talking about the subconscious, you say uh, it's your eight-year-old self. So I'm wondering, what is it about the number eight and you know, as we evolve as human beings, does our subconscious not evolve with us, or <laughs> is it always? Well, gonna... isn't that a good question? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for that. I hadn't had it put that way. You're so clever. Okay, so what? What? That's excellent. It makes me think, and I really appreciate that. So, what happens is the reason I liken it to our inner eight-year-old and that that space and time, and of course, you can chronologically be six or you can be eleven. It's not eight per se. Right. But the beautiful thing around that time frame is that that's when we have our broadest unfiltered state of knowledge and information without being PC yet. When you get to around, again, metaphorically, that nine year stage, you know, you learn not to bite your friend when she makes you mad. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and that I Some see of as a problem. The subconscious wants to bite your friend when she makes you mad. And so we learn to undo and we learn to play well with others. In that playing well with others, which we must do, and it's very important to develop the conscious mind, agree. However, we don't want to suppress our natural primal impulses. And so here's how you can tell. Like, listen, next time you're watching or, or binge watching your favorite television show, I want you to pay attention to when people talk about their past. They'll say, when I was eight, my parents divorced. When I was eight, I got my first puppy. When I was eight, and we all start to hearken into that time because it's a space and time of a feeling, not necessarily just an age. Right. And I always say to people, if you have a child around this age, please, please, please amplify their primal instincts. So when they jump out of their chair and they say, I got the answer, I got the answer, and they wave their hand, excellent. Glad you're so enthusiastic. Glad you're so exuberant about that. And you're right, you do have the answer. Those are the things of us that, that the parts of us that are so beautiful with this broad scope. You know, we call, I mean, if you've been around an eight-year-old lately, they will call you out. (laughs) (laughs) Eight-year-olds today are not eight-year-olds of my day, that's for sure. (laughs) Correct. That's for sure. And so when we want to celebrate that beautiful 
spirit, right? That's the place we go back to. But just for fun, just put it in the back of your mind. And in fact, it already is because we've been speaking of it. But just keep it in the back of your mind for when you hear. I also love the fact that eight is, you know, a very important number to the Chinese. I love the fact that eight is the, the symbol for infinity. I love all of those aspects of eight, but I really chose it because it harkens true to that time. And, mm-hmm. and you'll see that when you're, now that your awareness is peaked, you'll start to see that line up with your experience. Right. So you say we're at a point in our evolutionary cycle where we've become totally out of sync and we need our subconscious more than ever. And you you spoke in the beginning a little bit about how hypnosis is different to mindfulness. It's about zoning out versus zoning in. So for the purposes of this book and when we're going through your program, um, how do we get into that state you're already in it. You just don't utilize it. It's like if I came into your studio and I said, oh, my goodness, look at all of this equipment. Well, what's this big piece of bright, shiny equipment right here? That would be your subconscious. And I would say, you know what? Let's dust it off. Let's plug it in. Here's the manual of how to best use it. And let's use it for your everyday struggles and strife. So every day people will have, you know, an issue, whether it's addiction or um, whatever, it doesn't even matter. It could just be general malaise. It could be apathy needing to, to move into action. It could be procrastination. I like to use my subconscious for everything and have done successfully for decades. And by that, I mean, and you'll laugh because you read the book, but you'll laugh about the parking spaces, finding lost items around your home <laughs> or your office, <laughs> knowing when you meet people, if they're good for you right now in the short term, midterm or long term what business decisions to make, all of those things. You know, you've got this piece of equipment, so I could literally walk into your studio and I could say, hey, you know, list list 20 of the top things that you struggle with in the course of the day. And then I could point to this piece of mechanics and I could say, what if this could fix that if you just thought about it for one second? If you just knew and read this manual, what would happen? Because you'd be able to use your finest piece of machinery that you are carrying around in your head. <laughs> you don't right. have to go out and buy it. Right. You can't buy it. You can't, you know, no one can go on and, and, and work on it. All you can do is read about it and learn about it. This book on its third day out was the number one bestseller and number one new release on Amazon in its category. And let me tell you why. Because we are craving information to make our life easier. You know, three-second abs? <laughs> well, this is like three-minute hacks for your subconscious because everybody's trying to, you know, find the bigger, better blueberry faster, right? Right, And we right. all want we all want speedy results. And this is the fastest way into the best answers you can have in your life, right. period. Right. I'm going to have to pull you back to that parking space thing because we've probably got listeners thinking that, well, how's this going to help me get a parking space? But we've only got a couple of minutes here, but we need to take a break. So uh, tell us what you mean by that. So what I mean by that is you have a broader sense of knowledge of what's around you than what you have impressions available to you. So in other words, when you're pulling into a parking space, I want you to calm yourself, you know, close your eyes for a second and just feel the car. And I want you to go with your impulses. If you feel like turning the wheel to the left, turn it to the left. Same with the right. Drive forward. Whatever you want to do, you let that car and that that impulse lead you. And you watch and see what happens. Prove it to yourself because <laughs> I have nothing to prove here. I want you to have a nice, wonderful, easy life. And right. I want you to utilize your subconscious power every chance you get. And let me tell you, 
millions of times a day we have a chance to utilize it. And if you just will, and even nighttime, you know, writing down a list next to your bedside of all the problems you want to solve. I mean, literally, your mind will work those things out while you're sleeping. Right. It's the best use of your time and energy. Right. I have to tell you, Kimberly, uh, years ago when I'd go back to England, uh, my mother lived way out in the country, down in the Cornish uh, country. Uh, The lanes down there are so narrow, you can barely get one car down them. So if you meet oncoming traffic, you might have to reverse like a half mile back to uh-huh. to get a place where you can both cross. So when I get to these roads, I think, because I'm used to driving on American freeways now, right? I think, I am going to get to the end of this road and not meet a single soul. And every time I did, every time I did that, I didn't meet someone. Perfect. 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 Mother would look at me as though I was crazy, but I didn't care. Right? Right? We call them parking angels. In your case, it's single lane angels. No, it's a wonderful thing because here's here's the information at hand is if you probably thought about it too at times and, and perhaps you didn't, you know, accelerate down the road because you thought, mm, not going to work this time, you know, and then you waited for a second. We Once you trust in this effort to have all of this information at your fingertips, it comes because it's already there. It's simply a matter of knowing about it. It's the most beautiful thing you can do for yourself and the most selfish gift you can give yourself is this book. And I highly, highly recommend it because it just makes life easier. I said to the publisher, I don't want to write a book for people to do one more thing. You know, I can't bear it. And they said, no, 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 no. It's a thousand less things to do when you tap into your own resource. All right. Well, uh, the book is called Subconscious Power. And uh, I'm going to read it from my notes this time because it's easier to read. As subconscious power, <laughs> how, how, use your inner mind to create the life you've always wanted. My guest is Kimberly Friedmutter, and we will be right back after this break. Please stay with us. Parkinson's disease affects as many as one million people in the United States. At the Parkinson's Disease Foundation, it's our mission to beat this disease. To learn about the Parkinson's Disease Foundation, or if you want to help support our work, Visit our website, pdf.org, or call us at 800-457-6676. In the Northwest, contact the Northwest Parkinson's Foundation at nwpf.org. Have fun this boating season and be safe. When you're in open water, it's not enough to be a good swimmer. River currents, ocean riptides, and cold temperatures can quickly sweep you off course and disorient you. Don't rely on swim aids such as water wings or noodles. Everyone should wear a Coast Guard-approved life jacket. Make sure you know CPR and never drink and boat. Learn more about boating safety from the professionals at uscgboating.org. Brought to you by supporters of Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless, dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly. Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Conversations live with Vicki St. Clair. Live well and live strong. Reach her great audience and advertise. Learn more at conversationslive.net. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. 
My guest in this segment is Kimberly Friedmutter. She's a board-certified hypnotherapist. She works with a lot of uh, people in Hollywood and uh, businesses around the country. Her new book is called Subconscious Power. Use your mind to create the life you've always wanted. This is such fascinating stuff because I really do believe, um, we, well, they do say, scientists say, we tap into such a tiny amount of our brain. And if we just could learn to tap into our subconscious, you're saying we really can get this life that we've always dreamed of together. Um, I wanted to look very quickly, if we can, or a high-level overview of the six principles um, which you say you don't have to go in any kind of order. You can just um, use them as you as you need them. But the first one you say is accountability. Yes, and thank you for that. I do like I, I do like the freewheeling nature of the book simply because I intended for it to be something you throw in the bottom of your backpack, in your desk drawer, in the bottom of whatever your purse. It doesn't matter. Briefcase. Whatever, because you're going to want to refer to it for certain specific things. But the generalities are, the first thing, of course, is any you know program, and this is super simple, and these are just principles, but coming into accountability. Where am I now? Who am I? Am I happy? You know, usually when people step into my office, it's because they're, they're not happy, and they have a very uh, specific presenting problem is what we, we refer to it as. And so accountability is just kind of taking a real look at it, worse than all, I like to say. Because, you know, no one can look at you and critique you like yourself. And so that's a great place to start. The second principle, tapping into your subconscious. That's kind of an obvious thing. But I also show you how to really get in there. Because let me tell you, if you ever needed a best friend or you ever needed an ally, she's it and he's it. Because they're with you. The subconscious is is all about, like, the number one prime directive of your subconscious is survival. You cannot choke yourself to death without a ligature. You cannot drown yourself. You cannot hurt yourself like that without a tool for that very reason. It's not, you can't even do it. It's impossible. And so that shows you right there that our evolving mind and our, our strategy mind is always looking for the best opportunities. Now, the next part would be principle three, moving toward or away. Now, this is fun. Moving toward or away is about your orientation. You know how when you... Um, when you perceive something as negative, you would naturally think you'd move away from it. Right. How many girlfriends have you had in the past that just go running into the arms of <laughs> negative? <laughs> too many. <laughs> I know too many. And so I laugh because even bacteria, you know, single cell protozoa moves away from something that it notices in a Petri dish might be harmful to it, right? And it moves towards what it perceives as helpful, which is sugar. And so I laugh to think certainly we're smarter than a bacteria. <laughs> and so <laughs> not always, sometimes, not always. <laughs> but, but, the, but the trajectory and the orientation of which you move. So case in point, how does this mean, you know, how does this work out practically? Practically speaking, do you find yourself unhappy where you are? So let's just say the answer is yes. Did you notice that you ran from something that you didn't like? In other words, you moved away from something you didn't like instead of toward the thing you did like. Okay, so we see this a lot in career choices. We see it a lot in relationship choices. You know, I've got to get away from Bob, so I'm running over to Tom, you know. Right. <laughs> so, right, and, right. and do I really want Tom? I'm not so sure, but it doesn't matter because now I'm away from Bob, and that was my goal. So you can see how you can start to set up a life of this habit, which isn't good either. The next principle is judge thyself and thy neighbor. Now, this is fun and very sticky. People think, oh, no, judgment, you know, we're supposed to be getting out of our state of judgment. 
But the truth is, is that we've become very poor judgment, uh, I guess, shepherds of our own needs and our own well-being. Case in point, social media, privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is this person ecological for me? Am I ecological for this job? Is this location ecological for my successful survival? Those are judgments that we've let go by the wayside because we're a little afraid to judge. And I do believe that it is much to our detriment. You probably know of Gavin DeBecker, the famous uh, consultant, security consultant and strategist. He had written a series of books called The Gifts of Fear, um, The Gifts of Fear for Teens, and all of these. And, and it really is a beautiful thing that your subconscious is there to protect you. What does this mean in reality, in everyday practical life? Understand who might undermine you and understand who's there to amplify you. These are two different people and very, very important for you to understand whether this person is ecological for you or not. Mm, and I think the next, these times are, that's one of the most critical things, I think, in these times today. 100%, because we don't know if we're coming or going, mm-hmm. and we don't know what mission this person who approaches us is on. What if I could show you that you could shake the hand of this person and know immediately get a sense about them if they are good for you or there to undermine you? I mean, that's powerful stuff. Let me tell you something. This could shave years off your life (laughs) of struggle and problems and all of these things that we go over. You know, how many times do you say, if I just had that decade back, if I just had that three years back, if I just all of a sudden could, could like eliminate all of that struggle for that, that period of time where you just didn't know what you knew that you knew. And I think that for those of us who have struggled in relationships in the past, have been divorced, and and perhaps you have as well, or just even a relationship that didn't work out, you think if you just knew what you knew before, but you did, you may not have followed that instinct and that impulse because it wasn't convenient. And so your sense of judgment, it it throws everything off. Mm. It throws off your GPS reading. Right. So that's to get that in alignment. Principle five is equally is sticky and a lot of fun, and that's give to get. You know, we've become very sheepish about our desires and our needs. And I don't know about you, but if someone asks me, you know, what can I get you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine because I have a high survival skill set. You know, I'm very, I'm yeah. very okay. And so it's not okay to not be in alignment with your truth. And the truth is, is I do need from you. We have right now a symbiotic relationship that we're enjoying very much, and there's nothing wrong with that. Let it be said that mothers are tapped out and exhausted. Fathers are beaten down to the pulp. Everyone is a little tired and feeling a little uh, full of, you know, uh, need and desire to get in life what they feel like they deserve. And this is how. There is nothing wrong with being crystal, crystal clear about your needs because it gives someone else a chance to be received. It gives someone else a chance to give. And women, mothers, husbands, workers, I'm telling you, it is, we're at a national crisis of we've had enough, you know, fed up. Our cup is empty. And so I'm here to fill it with the fact that you have permission to ask. You have permission to go for it. That leads us to the sixth principle, which is play big. I need you to be the most fabulous person you can be, and you need that from me too. And it's not haughty, and it's not lofty. It's real, because we are created to exceed and to excel. That's evolution. 
And so how wonderful if I can get my dreams. I'm happy and I'm thriving and you're happy and you're thriving. Back to the old saying, all boats rise in high tide. Right. The absolute truth. Right. And so I need you. And then globally, we need each other to perform. You know, look how happy everybody is when it's a good economy. Look how happy it is when a, a house sells for a high price in a neighborhood and everybody just says, yay, because it's good for all. Right. And right now, especially, we're in this collective consciousness of good for all. So I beckon and beg, please play big, because it's not, nothing is too much. Nothing is any anywhere near that. You need to be the most you can be. Because also let it be said that hypnosis and trance is for amplifying your performance, too. It's not always for problems. I was discussing with you that I had lived in Seattle and had worked with Microsofters in the past. And a lot of that was about amplifying their qualities, you know, and, and raising them to that next level of which they, they wanted to achieve. Yeah. So it's not always for a problem. Your subconscious is they are simply for your successful survival. Right. So I want to ask you two quick questions because we, we don't have a great deal of time here. We've only got a couple of minutes, Kimberly. Um, but how do we use our subconscious power to unlock our creativity? And how do we use it to identify and stop self-sabotage? So, for example, when you have to unlock your creativity, it's only because the critical consciousness part, remembering that we're double-minded, we have our conscious and our subconscious, and so when you are feeling, you know, stifled or you feel like you, you just can't get it, it's simply because that, that critical consciousness has come in and for some reason overshadowed your natural ability to create. And that's, that's a thing. So it's like darkness coming in. All you do is turn on the light. So that's a, a, simply a matter of principle to tapping into your subconscious. As far as, what was the second thing you asked? How do we stop, how do we stop, uh, you know, how do we recognize and stop when we're self-sabotaging? Oh, my goodness. So that's a very popular one, yes. And so when you know that you're self-sabotaging, that's, again, a direct violation of what your mechanics say. So basically, your mechanism is to give you impulses and gut and instinct, right, to get you on the right path. When you self Sabotage, you are blocking your ears. You're, you know how kids stick their finger in their ear and they go, no, 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 can't hear you, can't hear you. That's that. And so once again, tapping into your subconscious principle too, that's, that is all subconscious related. It's so important to just go with it, back to flow. Let it happen because this is your greatness. This is what you came into this experience with. So mm. you might as well use it. And then one very quick final uh, question. You, you talk, the second part of the book is about mastering your best life, and you talk about getting out of drought. And this is something I hear almost every day from somebody, that they feel they're stuck in a loop. Uh, you say it's a loop of negativity. It's easy to address. But the tricky thing about drought is when we're in it, we can't, we're consciously and subconsciously uh, drawn to destructive negative energies that you call pain share. So how do we break through that using our subconscious? Yes. So drought is my term for depression. And we all know that we know the, the passing drought, which is just things have happened and things haven't gone your way, you know, for a day, a week, a month, maybe. And then there's lingering drought, which could be a loss of a job, it's just a child, a divorce, relationship that's shifting or ending, a location change, anything like that could be a year, could be a couple of years even. And that's lingering drought. And then, of course, we all know the doubting Debbie that's, you know, um, habitual drought. She just can't get out of her own <laughs> right, way. Right. When you're that way and you know who you are and when you're that way and you have friends that are that way and you understand is you like to keep yourself 
comfortable. You know, it's back to the it harkens back to the saying, "Misery loves company." You like to keep yourself comfortable because you want to prove yourself right. Proving yourself right when you're stuck in that loop is one of the most dangerous things you can do. And of course, we see that cycle into oftentimes uh, suicide and danger to others and all of that kind of psychosis. But for the sake of this conversation, there is. The minute that you start to feel this in yourself, you must, must, must go to the light. And by that, I mean, go hang out with people that make you feel good. Go do whatever it is that makes you feel good and be around whatever that is. Let's say you have to take the weekend and go out into nature, or maybe you have to even go walk the mall. It doesn't matter what it is. You must be your savior in this. And I have a lot of exercises and quick hacks. Again, everything's three minutes. I like everything just fast because that's all it takes. Right. It's not a laborious process. But you've got to pull yourself up. If you feel like you can't, ask your friend. But when you read this book, it will become crystal, crystal clear as to how we get there. And you just mustn't, mustn't let it get to you because it's a state. It's like the clouds. You know how the weather comes in, the weather goes out. The weather comes in, it goes out. Nothing is permanent. Not even suicidal thoughts are permanent. Everything ebbs and flows when it comes to the subconscious and emotion. Right. Well, there's a lot of really good information in here, I think, about tapping into our subconscious. The, the title of the book is Subconscious Power. Use your inner mind to create the life you've always wanted. My guest, uh, Kimberly Friedmutter, uh, board-certified hypnotherapist. And you can find out much more about Kimberly and her work at KimberlyFriedmutter.com. Uh, thanks so much for being with us today. Appreciate it, Kimberly. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Wonderful. And please stay with us. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Let's see if I... I guess that... <sighs> this just isn't working. Knowing you have a great idea for a book is one thing. Writing it, another. So what's stopping you? Maybe you can't find time. Maybe you don't know where to begin. Maybe you wrote a couple of chapters, then disappeared down a rabbit hole. Or maybe you'd rather someone else write it for you. Partnering with the right coach or ghostwriter can make all the difference between talking about your book and finishing your book. As an award-winning writer and strategic consultant, Vicki St. Clair's storytelling credits span from business, health, self-help, and memoir to New York Times and USA Today best-selling anthologies. Vicki partners with people just like you at the exact level you need. Whether you need a little encouragement, editorial guidance, or full-blown ghostwriting and consulting services. If you're serious about telling the story you know is inside you, stop procrastinating. Let's get your story down on paper. Contact Vicki today. Email Vicki at VickiStClair.com or call 1-800-495-7617. See more about Vicki and her work at VickiStClair.com. Oh, yeah, that could work. My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign, and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. 
This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Dr. Nels Rasmussen, we cover the world of animals. This week, October 6th, it's Shelter Rescue Sanctuary and anything that helps our Animal Friends Sunday. We'll chat with Laura from Seattle Dogs Homeless Program. We'll catch up with the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, plus Aline Fortgang from Friends of Woodland Park Zoo Animals and Humane Voters of Washington joins us. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Looking for unconditional love, an exercise buddy, or a great listener? Paws has the dog or cat of your dreams, just waiting to meet you. We've made thousands of perfect matches since 1967, because everyone needs a warm, safe place to call home. Find out more today at paws.org or call 425-787-2500. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Inspiring, innovative, and a great place to advertise. Learn more at conversationslive.net. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. And uh, we're joined now by Victoria Helen Stone. After writing as a USA Today bestselling novelist, Victoria Dahl, more than 25 novels there. She uh, flipped genres and turned to the darker side of writing. She now writes suspense. And uh, her new her novel, Jane Doe, has just been optioned by Sony Pictures TV. She's joining us today to talk about her latest story called False Step. Welcome, Victoria Helen Stone. Hi, thank you for having me. My pleasure. And I just want to um, just want to say that, you know, after writing 25 books as Victoria Dahl, um, we're now we're now talking about the Victoria Helen Stone books, just so there's no confusion there, because you know I think people might know you as one thing. Have you found some people have crossed over to the new genre? Yes, um, quite a few of my Victoria Doll readers um, crossed over and and have been reading my Victoria Helen Stone books, and then every day uh, I hear from somebody who's surprised to realize that it's me. So <laughs> I get a nice mix. Right. So let's talk about pseudonyms for a minute, because I've written under pseudonyms for many years, but um, and, and I keep mine private, but yours, you, 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 everybody knows who you are as yourself and as your pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you choose to do that? Um, writing romance um, brings a lot of expectations with it as far as how the book is going to end, um, uh, whether two people are going to end up together. And I wanted a new name for these suspense books because that's not how these books work out in the end often. And you don't want people to pick up a book expecting um, something totally different and, and, and being disappointed in it. So this way, there's no confusion on uh, for uh, my fans, my romance. Right. It's really a branding thing. I mean, a lot of writers, you know, Dean Koontz, Stephen King, they've all done it at some point. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about False Step. It's a story about Veronica Bradley. She's a, a woman with a seemingly near-perfect life. She's got a good job as an occupational therapist, a doting husband, a 10-year-old daughter, and, of course, a dog. Yes. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be perfect without the dog. <laughs> um, so everything's going really great, but then tensions in the marriage begin when her husband becomes an overnight hero, which leads to a whole host of issues and a lot of soul-searching questions. So tell us more. Yeah, I'm really um, sort of fascinated by the secret lives um, we all live or the people around us live, um, or not even secret lives, just our real lives. 
and especially in this era of Facebook and Instagram, um, what you see of somebody's life is not all there is. So um, that was sort of the basis for this. Where, uh, her husband comes into all of this exposure, and um, she doesn't appreciate it because that's not exactly uh, what her life is like. The, the public uh, view of her life is not really what it's like, and she doesn't want people looking closer. Mm-hmm. And tell us a little bit about your main character, Veronica Bradley. For those who maybe, maybe they've read your Victoria Doll books but mm-hmm. have never read Victoria Helen Stone. Um, I've always been sort of fascinated. Well, when, when I wrote Romance, there was a lot of discussion about unsympathetic heroines or unlikable heroines because I love um, complicated female characters. Um, I don't want uh, to take a, a, a look at a, a, the life of a woman who's living a perfect life and doing everything correctly. So um, when I moved over to suspense, I was able to expand on that um, and really give people a lot of complicated um, feelings. Uh, Veronica, the the lead in this story, uh, seems to have the perfect husband who everybody loves, but she's not happy with him. They got married pretty young um, because she got pregnant, and now she's realizing they were just too young to have made this commitment. They didn't know each other well enough. And so there's nothing wrong with him. As a person, he's not a terrible person in their marriage. It's just that she feels like she's trapped and she's trying to stay in it for the sake of her uh, daughter. Mm. And so how did you um, talk about how you, came, how you how this story came to you? What were the series of events that led to the story? Um, this story came to me um, based on a plot point, which is actually not usual for me. Um, when I'm writing, I usually come up with a character um, and especially when I was writing romance, uh, a good starting place is to come up with a character and then put them into the life of somebody who is, would absolutely be the complete opposite of what they want. So, But for this book, I came up with this plot point of um, the, her hus- the, the book opens with her husband finding a little boy in the woods who's been missing for three days. Um, and kind of the the start of the story was we've seen this happen a lot in social media where there's a big story that goes viral and it's sort of a feel-good story and it's funny and then uh, people start digging up stuff about the person's past and suddenly they're not a hero anymore Mm. Um, suddenly it's much more complicated and maybe they're even a villain so that was sort of how I wanted to start the story, where there, uh, it, something becomes viral and it seems like a good thing, and then it turns into something much more complicated than that. Mm. So you said you, you like to explore. I mean, I'm imagining that writing suspense gives you a lot more leeway in developing uh, deeper, darker characters. Is that is that true? Yes, absolutely. Um, I love writing in a genre, and romance is a genre that has rules like any other um, genre does. Like, for example, when you're reading a mystery, you know it's going to be solved at the end. Otherwise, you know, you'd be very upset. Right, <laughs> right. right. So, I want my money back. <laughs> exactly. Now it's just a mystery. Nobody knows what happens at the end, right? right. Um, so in romance, um, the two people involved end up together at the end of the story. So no matter how complicated and how complex a character you make, uh, you write, they, the mistakes that they made um, and the darker sides of their personality have to be forgivable in the end um, you ha- because you want to see them end up in a loving relationship and find happiness. 
what really didn't occur to me until I started writing suspense and what really freed me up is that I could give these people um, complications and foibles that were not necessarily forgivable or easily brushed aside because they don't have to be lovable at the end. We just have to reach a conclusion in the story that is satisfying to the reader. Right, right. You say um, the, you feel the greatest difference between writing suspense and writing romance uh, are those boundaries of behavior and that um, the stay alive and pair up thing, you talk about that a lot. They're flip, you say they're flip sides of the same coin. They each yeah. tap into the most basic of human drives to survive and to mate. Yes, I've always, horror and romance have, were always my favorite genres um, growing up and in adulthood. I've uh, I always was writing romance as a career, and my um, sort of decompression was reading horror novels. And I always thought this was a very strange combination. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was having coffee with another uh, writer, Daniel Krauss, um, and he said those were his favorite genres growing up. And so we started talking about it, and I realized that, yeah, we, it's all about survival. That's our most basic human instinct. We, uh, and survival means staying safe, keeping yourself alive, and um, finding a mate in some way, procreating. Um, not that everybody wants to procreate, but just as a human uh, or animal survival, I guess I should say, not just human nature. It's just stay alive, you know, right. pass right. on your genes. So for me, those are both very um, urgent needs in, um, in writing and in, in stories. Um, and, you know, if, if you meet somebody who's been in a very dangerous situation in their life, you want that story. Right, right. But also, if you're at a dinner party and you're there with a couple, one of the first questions you ask them is, how did you meet? Like, we're fascinated <laughs> by both of those kinds of tales. <laughs> and what, what's the secret? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It always comes along, too. Uh, all right, we need to take a, a quick break here. My guest is Victoria Helen Stone. Uh, you may know her also as Victoria Dahl. She's written uh, for a number of years as Victoria Dahl, but... Uh, today we're talking to Victoria Helen Stone. Does it make you feel a little schizo? <laughs> I'm I'm very thankful that I've always chosen uh, used my own first name because I don't know how other people do it. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicky St. Clair. Stay with us. Have fun this boating season and be safe. When you're in open water, it's not enough to be a good swimmer. River currents, ocean riptides, and cold temperatures can quickly sweep you off course and disorient you. Don't rely on swim aids such as water wings or noodles. Everyone should wear a Coast Guard-approved life jacket. Make sure you know CPR and never drink and boat. Learn more about boating safety from the professionals at uscgboating.com. Org. Brought to you by supporters of Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
Conversations Live with Vicki Sinclair airs live every Monday at noon. And now you can also catch the show during drive time at 6 a.m. every Friday. Hear from New York Times bestselling authors, innovative business leaders, cutting-edge health and wellness professionals, award-winning journalists, filmmakers, explorers, and adventurers. Tune in to Conversations Live with Vicki Sinclair, Mondays at noon Pacific time and Fridays at 6 a.m. Right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Innovative business leaders know to advertise here. Learn how affordable it is at conversationslive.net. There's a reason they invented the internet. It's called 1150kknw.com. And welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. I'm laughing at Eric here. He's getting into the groove and the music. <laughs> makes me smile. All right. So we are talking with Victoria Helen Stone. And uh, we're talking about her new book. It's called False Step. It's a suspense. And um, a couple of questions I, I wanted to ask. I read that your, your mom, you, you've mentioned uh, that you like to read romance and horror uh, scary books. And that, that was kind of influenced, I think, by your mom who did the same. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, as a matter of fact, my name is Victoria Helen. My middle name is Helen, and that's my mom's name. And that's one of the reasons I um, chose this pseudonym um, uh, for these new books is because I wanted to put my mom's name on a book because she's the one who made me into a reader. Oh, isn't that great? Yeah, my mom did too, and my dad read too, but my mom really was an avid reader. And you, I read this blog post that you wrote, Victoria. It made me smile because you said, I don't know which was the first inappropriate book I read. <laughs> and I, I can think of the first ones I read, like The Perfumed Garden. Do you remember that one? No. Like, <laughs> I never read that one, but there were so many. Well, I didn't read it. I just looked at the pictures. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, Flowers in the Attic. I, remember, I don't know what age I read that, but it was totally inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom would just leave them by the bedside. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, she's left it there. It must be okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, and you talked about um, when you're when you're writing romance, you would like to read horror. So now that you're writing suspense, what do you what do you like to read? Oh my! Now I'm reading ro- more romance, <laughs> okay. actually. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a diff. I, I'm guessing there's a reason for that because you don't want to be embedded totally in that genre because you. I guess you could get muddied from other people's writing. Exactly. I don't want anybody else's story in my head when I'm writing, but I also don't want their voice in my head. Mm. Um, so I try to choose things that are totally different than what I'm working on at the moment. Yeah, it's a bit like uh, sports. My my dad always refused to play tennis with my mom because it affected his golf swing. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's it's, it's a good the same metaphor. kind of same kind of thing, really, yeah. right? <laughs> so, um, when you're writing stories, and and I, I must admit, this is the first one I've I've seen as Victoria Helen Stone. Mm-hmm. How, do you feel you've ever gone too far, or or when you're writing, do you feel like you go too far and have to pull yourself back ever? Not really. Although the book before this one is called Jane Doe, and it's told from the point of view of a female sociopath. Um, and it's the only book I've ever written in first-person point of view, so I was really in her head. And I don't think that I, I went too far, but as um, a, you know, a nice Midwestern girl who's always very self-conscious and thinking about other people, 
it was incredibly freeing and refreshing to write from the point of view of a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and yeah. It, it was really easy, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Real easy. I mean, yep. <laughs> really, I bet everyone around you is glad you came out of it. <laughs> Well, the really interesting part about um, writing that book, Jane Doe, is um, since I was writing from her point of view, I had to go back in and remove all of these instances of um, thinking maybe something or um, any sort of self-doubt in her voice. Um, and that was kind of interesting as a woman to, um, to pull those kind of words out of my, uh, out of my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So what, what was the... The main difference when, you, when you're writing, um, you say you went into that in first person, so obviously it's, it's kind of like you're experiencing it as you're right. writing it too. Right. Um, but how did you really grab that sociopathic edge that she has, Jane Doe? Um, you know what? I tapped into all of my anger and frustration over the last few years of um, politics in the United States, <laughs> and I just sort of let That'll it all do. out. <laughs> on the page and it felt really good um just all the hypocrisy and the stuff that you um see as a woman that seems obvious to you and apparently isn't obvious to other people um it was just it was um, very freeing yeah uh yes i had to give myself i had to go offline for the last two and a half days because like i just couldn't i could not take it anymore Exactly. Like, okay, this is not a world I want to live in. I'm going to build my own little world full of flowers and butterflies for the week. Yeah, and I actually had a, I mean, one of the reasons I started writing suspense is that I was really honestly struggling with um, just putting down very happy endings on paper. Um, And so I got to tap into something else when I genres and mm. I was kind of thankful for that <laughs> so talk about what what kind of um we're talking about false step here but we're, we're talking about Jane Doe which was your previous book so w- with the sociopath what kind of research did you put into that I'm absolutely fascinated by sociopaths and narcissists and uh, borderline personality disorder I've done a lot of research on that myself yeah, um, I read a couple of books. Um, I think one was the, the Sociopath Next Door. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the the Psychopath Test was oh, another one that I read. John Ronson. Yes, yeah. yes, and uh, I yeah. yeah, I became fascinated by the idea that um, we're surrounded by sociopaths, and um, in some instances, they make great business leaders and great surgeons, um, very successful people. Politicians, for example. <laughs> so, um, the but that more than that, there are. I think the estimate is that one out of a hundred people um, have that personality disorder. So obviously, we all know somebody like that, and could probably tell you somebody like that in our life. So, um, but the basis for that story was um, I had a friend who was involved in an a, a emotionally abusive relationship. And um, I just thought, like, what if I could get revenge on this person? Um, and then I thought, what if you could really get revenge on somebody like that? Who would do that? Who could take that on? And that was the, um, the start of the idea for that book. Right. It's quite fascinating. Yeah, I think uh, Dr. Robert Herod said that there's like one in 200 in Britain and one in 100 in America. But oh, really? 
Mm, but the ones in Britain are supposed to be more dangerous. <laughs> That's really to... interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah, I, I really did a lot of... Uh, I just Human behavior fascinates me, why people do what they do. And um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So um, what's next for you? I know that you've got this, uh, the previous book, Jane Doe, optioned for TV. Mm-hmm. It's in very early stages, and you're editing your, your next book right now. So yeah. there's a lot going on for you, Victoria. <laughs> yeah, um, False Step uh, just came out at the beginning of July. Um, and uh, while I was um, uh, releasing that book and dealing with all of the book release stuff, I've been uh, at, finish, finishing up edits um, a book called Problem Child, which will be out in March, and that is a follow-up to Jane Doe. So um, False Step is a standalone book that isn't related, and now the next book will be uh, the second book in the Jane Doe series. Mm, excellent. And so what would you like to um, tell our listeners about the book, that False Step, that we haven't talked about today? Because we've gone all over the place today. <laughs> I, I like when we do that. <laughs> um. I think that the uh, the thing about false step that was that's fun for me is like I said I like um, thinking about uh, people's secret lives the lives of our neighbors the lives of the people that we follow online that we uh, we think we know the story of and we really don't um, and also just um, it, it, it's it's for me writing a complicated protagonist is uh, about writing the stories of people who aren't perfect and people that we still love and people that we know. We have siblings or best friends or parents who have um, complex personalities and they're not perfect, but we still want to see things work out for them in the end. Um, and so for me, that's what False Step is really about, is watching somebody work through their problems and figure out a way out of it. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you for being with us. appreciate it. And um I know listeners can find more about you at victoriahelenstone.com. Victoriahelenstone.com can find out more about her books, uh, her suspense books there. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, again, the book was called False Step and the website victoriahelenstone.com. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. If you have questions or comments or feedback, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Vicky St. Clair, on Facebook. Conversations Live with Vicky St. Clair and of course via our website conversationslive.net and we've got uh, we're coming up to an anniversary next week, 12 year anniversary so we've got over a thousand interviews on that website (laughs) it is a monster Um, but you can listen to those anytime free of charge and of course uh, many of them are podcasted here on KKNW Archives too All right, we will see you next week. Until then, live well, live strong. Thanks for being with us. Radio is very competitive. Shows soar in popularity and then flame out. Sometimes, however, a real connection is made with an audience, and success blooms year after year. For over a decade, Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair has built a loyal following thanks to inspiring and stimulating conversation. Longevity, loyalty, exclusivity. Smart advertisers seek it out. With Vicki's valuable audience, the search is over. Discover the affordable, effective ways to advertise your business. Log on to Conversations Live. Live.net. That's conversationslive.net today.